Well, I'm going to start us off, and then uh, Peggy's going to pick it up. So kind of like the Olympics are going on, we'll pass the baton this morning. So, <clears throat> and I'm going to keep my eye on the clock to be fair, because I've got a lot I want to say, but uh, I need to reserve time for her too. So, all right. Um, you know, I've got my Bible up here. I'm using a New Living Translation. Just curious, like if, if you had to say, like if you had to sum up the Bible in one word, what would you say would be the best word to sum up the Bible? Any thoughts? Truth is a good one, yeah. Promise, okay. Love, yeah. You know, a lot of people would probably talk about, you know, a word that might come to mind is religious. You know, it's, oh yeah, it's a religious book. And, uh, and I think that uh, for me, I heard somebody say that uh, the word relationship. And so I've kind of latched on to that for a while. And you think about it, Jesus said the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, right? That's that vertical relationship that's most important. Uh, the second commandment, like it, to love your neighbor as yourself. And even in the Ten Commandments, from Commandment 5 on, they have to do with our earthly relationships. And that's a pretty good case. And then even if you go back to the Trinitarian relationship, there, there's for all of eternity, there's been perfect relationship between Father, Son, and Spirit. And that is the example for us in terms of the relationship we're called to have within the body of Christ. So I'm going to put relationship out there. And, uh, and having said that, you know, somebody said that the Bible is a big, long, thick, hard book. It's not a three-page scratch-and-sniff pamphlet. Remember scratch and sniff? You don't see as much of that anymore. Thank God we don't see as much scratch and sniff anymore. But, um, but you know, it is, a, it is a big, long, thick, hard book. And yet somebody figured it out that about 70% of the Bible is story. About 70% of the Bible is story. And that Jesus is the main figure and we are all invited to play a bit part in yeah. the overall story that God is telling. But God's not just telling that one story because he's the ultimate storyteller, right? I mean, Charles Dickens looked at the, the prodigal son story and said, boy, that's one of the greatest stories ever told. And uh, Dickens knew a thing or two about story. And the fact is, is that um, we think about God's overall story, but there's so many subplots. There's so many subplots. And and he's telling a story in your life and in your marriage. He's telling a story through your family, and he's telling a story through this church. And so as we're here this morning, we're going to, especially in the latter half of this message, uh, Peggy primarily updating you on the story God's been telling in our life, our marriage, family, Teamwork Africa. But you've played a part in that. Right from the very beginning, I mean, where we started it in 2011, and we, we were both there, Peggy and I, in March, and we came back here, and this was the first church we came to. And through the offering we did take, there was an, the exact amount there for us to fly our Liberian partner here with us. And as he came in August of that year, we went north, south, east, and west to as many churches as would have us, trying to raise funds and awareness. And here we are now with you. And more than 500 water projects, you know, either new wells or well repairs, yeah. uh, more than 100 sponsored kids. Uh, it just kind of goes on and on. And Peggy will get into more some of the specifics. And again, that's just a God thing. The only way I can explain that is, uh, is Zechariah 4, 6. Not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. That's the only way. And you guys have been with us not only in the beginning where we took all of that and uh, just met with uh, Gordy Reesgraf's daughter, Re Rebecca, and she's coming on board with our ministry as the director of development. And we're so excited about that. And uh, the fact of the matter is that uh, you know, I said, you know, Peggy took that money and, and primarily, and we said, we're going to, we're not 
betters that were not gamblers on horse racing, but she just said, felt led by the spirit, like we're going to put all on this and, uh, and look what God has done. So again, we're so grateful. You're, we've worked with your VBS and some of you, many of you have come to our celebration, our annual celebration in Eau Claire, and we're very grateful for that. But in the little time I have here initially, you know, it's the Olympics right now. And so you could have the standing broad jump where you just say, okay, we're going to stand right here and just jump right into the Teamwork Africa story and have touched on it a little bit. But I want to do a little bit of a run up biblically, uh, looking at uh, some verses in Ephesians chapter two. But before we do that, let's look to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you that you are good and what you do is good. God, uh, we thank you for, uh, for life now, but life eternal but that that life eternal isn't just about heaven later. It's about um, uh, knowing you in the here and the now and growing in grace and growing in uh, a relationship with you. And you've come that we might have life and have it more abundantly. And God, we're so grateful for that. We want to know you, the power of your resurrection, and yes, even the fellowship of sharing in your suffering. We thank you for Bible Center. We pray your continued healing on Pastor Don from the surgery he had. And uh, I thank you for the healing touch you gave me in my life. Uh, two weeks ago, I'd have been here with a puffy eye and blisters on my forehead from shingles, and that's awful. I pray nobody has to experience that. And uh, just thank you for your healing touch and your love for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, well, I'm going to talk fast because, again, I've got some things on my heart, and uh, I want to be respectful to uh, the remainder of the things that, that my wife has to bring and an update and some of the pictures of uh, what's going on in Liberia. But Ephesians 2, I want to read the first three verses. It says, once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins, you used to live in sin just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. By our very nature, we are subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. So, some thoughts on this. At one time, the Ephesians, like all of us, had been physically alive, but spiritually dead. That's right. yeah. Physically alive, but spiritually dead. Now, this could be a headline of every newscast every day. Most of humanity, physically alive, but spiritually dead. Right. And yet, I tell you, I work in the media, I have for a long time. And as I wind up my time at WWIB, I can tell you, that's not the headline, is it? I mean, it's all sorts of other things. Uh, and there's plenty of problems on the planet. But the Bible cuts right to the quick, and it says, this is the real problem. As for you, you were dead in your sins, in your transgressions. So here's the deal, that, that, that even today, right, people are shopping, watching uh, their favorite shows, eating pizza, they're physically alive, they're sucking oxygen, but they're spiritually dead. That's a big problem. That is the big problem. Pastor Don referenced Nicodemus. I mean, he came to Jesus in John 3, and he said, how can you be born again? What's with this hope? That's the issue. If you've been born, the most important thing that next has to happen for you isn't that you get a job, isn't that you get married, isn't fame, fortune, power, or pleasure. The most important thing that, hap that needs to happen for you if you've been born is that you get born again. Yes. I remember my son Dawson had this kind of breakthrough to him. We visited Jacob's Well Church in Eau Claire one time, and he looked at the cross out in front, and he's just like, yeah, after you've been born, the most important thing is that you're born again. And that's uh, so true. Now, how can you tell if someone is spiritually alive or not? 
How can you tell? Well, I think that appetite is a good indicator. So let's just use Uncle Frank as an example. Say Uncle Frank, when he was alive, let's say he really loved a T-bone steak. Maybe some mushrooms, little onions there. Oh, boy, that'd be, boy, he'd, he'd just love that, you know, grill that baby up. And, but say Uncle Frank has died, sorry, and Uncle Frank is in the casket, and you bring him the best you know, T-bone steak you could ever have with those, those mushrooms and the onions and maybe a little green pepper. And I mean, is he going to have much interest in that? I mean, sorry. I mean, he is, he is dead, right? He's dead. So he's got no app, no physical appetite. So he's not going to be at all interested, no matter how juicy that steak. Okay. In the same way, when you're spiritually dead, you have no appetite. Appetite for what? Appetite for, well, for starters, you know, the word of God. I mean, do you have any hunger, any interest in reading the word of God, hearing the word of God, thinking on the word of God, listening to it in song? Do you have any interest in that? I hope you do, because that's a sign that you're spiritually alive, that you're spiritually hungry. Right. How about prayer? Do you have a hunger to pray yourself with others? I hope so, because that's a sign of spiritually you're alive and you look to talk to your heavenly father, the one who made you, the one who saved you. How about fellowship? Do you have a, a hunger, a desire to be with others who are reading the word of God and praying? I, I hope so, because that's a sign of appetite and desire. And if you don't have that, that's an indicator that maybe you don't have that uh, appetite. Again, um, we know that 1 John 5 says that these things are written, that you might know that you have eternal life. Yes. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. And so you can know. And then the knowing isn't based on your performance, as we'll see here as we look in this passage a little further. You know, there's, there's three different types of death spoken of in the Bible. Uh, Romans 6.23 says that the wages of sin is death, right? And, and there's some good news after that, but we'll save that. But the wages of sin is death, three types of death, physical. Hebrews 9.27, it's appointed to each person wants to die and then face judgment. Physical, uh, physical, spiritual death, where you can be physically alive but spiritually dead, as Ephesians 2.1 says. And then lastly, eternal death, which this is no good news, but it's the reality of uh, Revelation 20, 14 and 15. Then death and the grave were thrown into the lake of fire. This lake of fire is the second death, and anyone whose name was not found recorded in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. Now, I didn't come up with that, and I don't love the idea of everlasting punishment, but the reality is it's true. You know, if you physically die spiritually dead, eternal death is your destiny. That's just what the Bible says. And so, for God's sake, for your sake, come to life. That's why 2 Corinthians 6.2 says, today's the day of salvation. Yes. If somehow I went through spiritual life and you said, boy, you know what? I don't have an appetite for those things. I'm not sure I'm alive. Then get your business right with God this morning. Get it right with God today. I just read this week, D.L. Moody, the story where a great evangelist in the 19th century. And, and one week there in Chicago, he actually... Uh, he told people, you know, there's the story. I want you to think about it and come back next week and, and, and tell me what you decided to do with Jesus. And that very night was the night of the great Chicago fire, destroying buildings, and uh, thousands were killed. And for the rest of Moody's wonderful ministry career, he never waited again. I mean, he was like, there is no putting off. There is no. 
There's today's the day of salvation. Today's the day of decision. This morning's the time to come to Christ. So again, lastly, in terms of this thought about as for you, you were spiritually dead, and we, we pray, and I do believe that many of you, obviously this morning, have already come to Christ, but, and you're spiritually alive. Praise God for that, that you know that your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life, and yet we, I believe, need to have a greater sensitivity to the people I'm going to call pre-Christians, okay? Instead of non-Christians, let's say there's Christians, and then there's those who are pre-Christians. And, you know, John 3.17 says that, for God did not send his son to the world to condemn the world, but that they may be saved through him. And so that's what we desire. And just recognizing that, that they're, they're dead. I mean, what do you want? They're spiritually dead, as you were. And yeah, it seems like we're like, well, still, you should be better than that. <laughs> But the last verses of 2 Timothy 2 say, here's how you should deal with them. Gently instruct those who oppose you, that God may grant them repentance, leading them to a knowledge of the truth, setting them free from Satan, who has taken them captive to do his will. And that's very much in line with these verses from Ephesians 2. And again, we live in a world where certainly the secular world and maybe even much of the Christian world thinks, oh, the devil, <laughs> that's such a silly idea. Yeah. Whatever, I'm here to tell you the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, he's all over there, right? Second Corinthians 4, 4, the devil blinds the minds of unbelievers to keep them to, from seeing the light of the gospel. He's real. C.S. Lewis says in Screwtape Letters, the two big mistakes we make about the devil is we either give him too much attention or too little. Which mistake are you making? God, help us to keep it in the fairway in terms of a right understanding of our enemy. But again, from the really bad news to the eternally awesome news, Ephesians 2 verses 4 and 5 say, but God is so rich in mercy and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. Well, that's good news. Yeah, amen. That's good news. You know, we'll only appreciate the good news of the gospel to the extent we grasp how dead and lost we were before. I'm going to repeat that. We will only appreciate how good the gospel is to the extent we grasp how dead and lost we were before. The example of that is Brian Cole. Brian Cole is a former Satanist from the age of 10. For 27 of his first 45 years, Brian was behind bars. But Brian uh, came to faith in Christ when he was behind bars through a good news jail and prison ministry chaplain by the name of Cliff Walterstorff. And uh, Brian continues to be on fire for the Lord. Brian came out from behind bars. He continued to grow in the Lord. And Brian, after serving as a youth minister for a number of years at the Stanley Evangelical Free Church in the past week, was hired as the senior pastor at Drummond Evangelical Free Church up north. You can go ahead and clap, because that is amazing. That is amazing. I mean, I only got a few front page shows left, but I'm thinking about doing one from Satanist to senior pastor. I mean, come on now. I mean, he went, he was lost. He was a Satanist. He was a leader in Satanism. He hated Christians, and now he is on fire. The Gideons have him speak at various places around the country, and we could all learn, because Brian knows how dark and evil it is to be lost. 
And so he has a deeper appreciation than most for how wonderful it is to be in God's wonderful light. Oh, may we all have that. May we all have that appreciation. Again, the mercy there is uh, not giving us what we do deserve. And uh, again, what does the verse say? It says that, but God, wonderful words in the scripture, none better, is so rich in mercy, and he loved us so much. He loved us so much. My family and I were at Life Fest a year ago in Oshkosh. Didn't have the chance to go this year. But as we heard evangelist Tony Nolan, boy, he awakened John 3.16 to me like I've never had it awakened before. Now, come on now, you know the verse, you've heard it, Billy Graham and the other evangelists down through the years. But the sad thing is, over a while, it just is like carpet that we walk on and walk over. Yeah, John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whosoever believed in him should not perish but have eternal life, everlasting life. And I'm like, really? But thank God for Tony Nolan, because he brought it alive. He's like, you don't understand. You, you know, were you there? Okay, he's smiling. He knows what's coming. Because here's what Tony uh, helped us see. He helped us understand. He's like, you don't get it. Here's how that verse needs to read. For God so loved the world. I'm not going to do it again, but he so loved the world (laughs) that out of that love, he gave. What did he do? Send money? No. He gave his one and only son that whosoever should just believe on him would be saved, would not perish, but would be saved and would have everlasting life. And it's not just heaven later. It's the kingdom of heaven within you now, as Luke 17 says. And that's good news. And that's a free gift. And you know, here's the deal about the free gift. We get so caught up in and we, we, we get so much trying to be religious. And we, you know, religion is trying to get to God. But listen, the gospel is God came to us. Religion is do more, try harder. Christianity is Jesus and the cross. It is finished. And so the greatest gift you can give the God who has everything is to freely receive what he gave you. He's got everything, but he, what he can't do is he can't say, Jim Leckler, you know, I want you to, you know, I can't make you receive the free gift of my son. But there was a day, there was a time, right, where Jim Leckler made that decision. And then... The angels in heaven rejoiced, as it says in Luke 15. Well, I could go on and on, but I'm going to pass the microphone to my wife here this morning. But the fact of the matter is, is that as we continue in in Ephesians chapter, uh, verse 8, you know, those are the famous verses of Ephesians 2. It's 8 and 9. We always go there. We say, oh, that's what the Reformation was about. It is by grace you've been saved through faith. Not, you know, this is the free gift of God. Nothing you do to earn it. And this is a gift from God for you. And then it goes on to say in verse 10 that for we are God's masterpiece. We've been created to do these good works he's prepared in advance for us to do. And I'm just going to close off my time in this portion focusing on that. That Did you know that you've always been on God's mind? He always knew 
there'd be a Pastor Don. He always knew. He, for, from eternity past, I just find such comfort in that. Like, really, from, from eternity? Yeah. And you know why, why we know that? Is because that God is, uh, he has, he's all-knowing, right? He's all-knowing. And so, for God to have a new thought would mean that at one point, he didn't know everything. And so God, we have new thoughts all the time, but God has, he's all-knowing. He's always been all-knowing, and he's always known that you would exist. And he's always known the works he had in mind for you. And so as we transition this more after this run-up to the jump, and Peggy tells you more about Teamwork Africa and what we're about and our family moving there, the fact of the matter is, is that he always knew. He always knew that April 26, 1998, I'd drive to Maiden Rock, and I'd ask Jim and Jean for their permission to ask Peggy to marry me, and that I'd surprise Peggy later that day and, and proposing to her. He always knew. He always knew, and he always knew uh, these good works. And what is, it? what is it that he's calling us to do? What is he calling you to do? And so he's called us to this Teamwork Africa journey that we never would have come up with on our own. So. <laughs> It is always so wonderful um, to be back here. And, you know, some things change and some things stay the same. And there are a lot of things about being back here that are just the same <laughs> as they were when I left. And I love that. I love that piece of history of being able to spend the weekend um, back in the area and enjoy some of the things I remembered and some of the um, memories of the past and, and just remember again how where God has taken me. And when I feel overwhelmed, um, when I feel... <laughs> um, unable to know what to do next. I always go back to 1 Corinthians 1, and uh, you know where I'm from, so this makes sense to you. It says, brothers and sisters, think of where you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. He chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. He chose the lowly, lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that weren't to nullify those that are so that no one can boast before him. You know where I'm from. You know my mom and dad. You know our house up on the hill. You know that if God is doing something this big in me, you know it's him and not me. <laughs> because you know me. And, I, and what I'm capable of is, is this is so much far beyond anything. And God does that. God chooses those who aren't very wise. And I don't have a mis missionary um, Bible school background. And he chooses those who are foolish enough to believe that God can do great things even through them. To, to prove that those who think that they do know what to do don't. Um, so this is Teamwork African. Go to the first slide. Um, first, I want to tell you, for those who don't know, um, Liberia is in West Africa. It's about the size of Tennessee. Um, has a population of about 4 million. Um, it's a tropical rainforest area. So there's no giraffes or zebras or elephants there. Go ahead to the next slide. Uh, Mark and I went to Liberia together um, to meet our little boy, Michael. 
and this is him when he was about five years old. And during that trip uh, is when Teamwork Africa started. And this is where I'm supposed to go back. For those of you who don't know, um, Mark and I have four uh, biological kids, and we wanted to adopt a little boy, um, a child. And we looked at all kinds of different adoption opportunities and found ourselves matched with a little boy from West Africa. Who had, and then we found out he had a younger brother. And so we agreed to adopt him too. And then Liberia closed to adoption and still stayed closed until last summer. So we have not been able to adopt Michael for the last six years. Um, while they were closed, Habakkuk was two and a half. He got, he got malaria, and he was recovering from that. And he went back to his village for his grandfather's funeral, and there was a cholera outbreak. And he died. And the loss of him broke my heart. And I was... Um, angry, upset, frustrated, why God would have brought this extra little blessing into our lives and then taken him away. And there was no way that I could believe that the end of his story was, and then he died. And so we started a fundraising project to put a well in um, his village in, in Habakkuk's memory. And I went to Liberia to see the well and no one could read the inscription. So then we started a school and then Mark and I went there together and you can tell Mark's passion for the gospel and for evangelism. And he brought that to Liberia and we saw 200 people respond to the gospel. But in the village of those 200 people, in the village of Pelateama where we had to put the well and we had put the school, 80 of those 200 people were from that little tiny village. And we saw God's truth in action at that moment that the works of God and the word of God are hand in hand because those people wanted to know why we were showing them this love. Where did it come from? Why are you showing us this kindness? Oh, it comes from Jesus. We want that Jesus in our lives. So that's how Teamwork Africa started. Our mission is to plant and resource churches to meet the physical, spiritual, and social needs of the people in their communities. We want to see that those people are seeing God meet their needs through their local church. So Teamwork Africa stands behind the local church to help them reach their community. You can go ahead to the next slide. There we go. Working through churches, this is Pastor George. Um, we're doing a medical outreach, and he's sharing the gospel with each person who's waiting in line for medical help. Go ahead. Um, we have also been able to supply about six to eight of our pastors with jungle motorcycles so that they, most of our pastors not only have their home church, but they also have one to two other um, daughter churches that they're planting. And so those motorcycles have helped them to extend their uh, ministry to, go ahead. This is our well project. You can kind of just slowly go through some of those projects. As Mark mentioned, early in the last five years, um, with our partnership with The Last Well, we've been part of putting over 500 new or repaired wells in communities all over central Liberia. In each of those places that we put a new well, the gospel is shared. And either if there's a church there, those new believers are connected to that local church. And if there's not, we work with the area communities to help try to start small Bible studies there and start small churches. Sometimes there's a wonderful um, outpouring where people just want to hear the gospel. And sometimes our pastors get chased out of town. Not everybody wants to hear the gospel. Um, did I tell this story about the witch doctor who said over my dead body? Okay, that's my favorite one. Um, so there's a witch doctor in one of the villages, and he knew that our well-digging team was going to bring clean water in the gospel. And he said, over my dead body, 
Well, the gospel be shared here. And uh, the people in Liberia, there's a very strong and very real spiritual darkness. And our will team was pretty intimidated by that. And so they were kind of slow to get to that village. They were no, in no hurry. But eventually they got there and they started digging the well. On that day, the witch doctor fell ill. And three days later, he died. And the gospel was shared in that village over his dead body. <laughs> Go ahead. The next one. Our, our wells are done by Liberian technicians. This is one of the self-sustaining ways that we are able to help provide jobs for young men in Liberia. They do our wells for us. Sometimes people ask me, can I go to Africa and dig a well? And I say, do you know how? Because <laughs> I don't. So we have professionals who do this for us. Keep going. Uh, I just want to tell you that when clean water comes to a village, it makes an immediate impact in the health of the children and the people in those villages. Children with extended bellies from worms and just lethargic from excessive diarrhea and typhoid and other diseases, it just stops. It just stops. And it, it just it changes everything in that village. And we, and we have a saying that those become the places where the children don't die. They're, they're literally places in Africa where it's so just normal for children to just die. You know, if you're, you have a child and you hope that if that kid can make it to five years old, then maybe they'll survive to adulthood. Our friend um, in Liberia, Pastor Peter, his mother had 15 children. Only seven of them made them to adulthood, and only five of them are alive now. And, and he's the same age that I am. And she gave birth to 15 kids. And she has five left. Uh, well, somewhere. But I, you know how I average ages. <laughs> I'm 40-something. <laughs> um, Starfish Kids is our other program. Um, we help uh, communities. We help families take care of their children. So if a mother passes away or a father is gone um, and there's an, a grandma or an aunt or a neighbor who's willing to take in our kids, we try to help keep children in their families. And so we do a family sponsorship. You can go through some of the pictures of our kids. That's Victoria. This is a, a great picture, an example of a set of twins. Um, that we had their, that was their first picture and both of them were sponsored and, and that's those same twins uh, just a year later. Um, child sponsorship is such an important way of making the difference in a life of a child. If you're interested in child sponsorship, the, um, there's, a, there's a sign up out there. Um, you can get information about all the things that we're doing, but mostly that gets you connected to our e-newsletter, and so you can just get more information on a monthly basis. Um, one of the things that I'm excited about in going to Liberia is working with Great King Academy. Uh, that is old information. Last year we had 60 students in our school, and this year we, we, we will probably double that number. So you can keep going. Uh, just this history, this is one of my, my favorite parts, although this is just buildings, but um, this was the foundation of the school in 2011 when Mark and I went the first time. Go ahead. This is, this is our 14-room school, and uh, the first level of the school is going to probably be the science lab. The second floor of the room will be um, the library. That third floor in the middle will be a computer lab, and the top floor is for classes for continued education in Bible school. And uh, we are, our prayer is that this school will, um, has two, two main missions. One is to provide a quality education for kids in Liberia who believe that the gift that they have been given is theirs to give others. They have not been given a great education so that they can serve themselves, but so they can serve the pe their people and their community, that they become doctors, nurses, lawyers, business people with a heart to serve those who haven't been given the opportunity that they've had yet. 
Our school uniform is blue and gray, and the blue represents the great king. That's a, one of the color that they chose for the represent the royalty of those children, and the gray is to represent the servanthood. So um, our motto is to be great, serve. They start out every morning with uh, scripture memory verses and songs and prayer. This is a picture of them praying. Uh, and the other big thing that we wanted to do when we came to Liberia the first time um, are the property, the campus that we stay at is called Great King, uh, no, New Life Community. And Peter had already built the foundation of this school, and he'd also built the foundation for a medical center. So watch these next couple slides and see the progress of that building. This building has been built without any equipment at all. This is completely built by hand, by women carrying bricks on their heads, by, by wheelbarrows as maybe, I think they one time rented a cement mixer. I mean, otherwise they just mix the cement in the ground. Um, and, and we just, um, we, <laughs> we got the zinc to this, the metal to cover up the roof, but we had to get that on credit. So we're still working to, to cover the cost of that because the, um, the sun was beating down on the rafter. We had the money to buy the wood, so we bought the wood. And then the wood was on the ground, so the termites were eating it. So we had to put it up on the building. So we put it up on the building, and then the wood, the sun is beating down on it. <laughs> so we had to cover it. And so we went ahead and got the covering for that. Um, but we're still raising money to cover the, um, the, the metal sheeting that goes on that. Now that that building is finished, the exterior is done, we will start completing the inside of that room by room. You can go to the next slide. Right now we have a small clinic that's right next door called uh, New Life Clinic. My dear friend, Sister Arita, has started that clinic. She's an RN, and um, her own tragic story, she lost her mom several years ago, and uh, I don't know whether her mom would have survived or not with better medical care, but she certainly didn't receive compassionate and loving care from the medical staff that she was with. And Arita just pledged after that time, that God, just prayed that God would use her life to um, allow her to share the goodness and kindness of God through good quality medical care. And she focuses on um, maternal care. She delivers a lot of babies at that clinic, and they treat a lot of children. You can go through some of those slides. That blue blanket, my, my neighbor, a good friend of mine, recognized it as one of the blankets that she had helped send to Liberia in one of our birth kits. <laughs> uh, and that's the staff um, of our clinic in Liberia. And um, one of the ways, another way that churches in Liberia want to reach out to their community is by being able to be offer medical care for their villages that have no medical care whatsoever. And so um, on, when we have the finances, we pack up our truck with medicine and nurses and PAs, whoever available to go, and we go to a village, we set up in their church, and we invite the community to come and get treatment for whatever, you know, respiratory colds or malaria or, you know, whatever we can. And as we do that, either they'll share the gospel as a, as a large group or they'll share the gospel one-on-one. That's another way that we're able to share the, the good news through medical care. Um, we also have a project called Orphan Grain Project. One of the things um, that's really important to us with Teamwork Africa is um, self-sustainability. What happens to our churches and to our partners there if Teamwork Africa on the U.S. side stopped and ceased to exist? Could the ministry continue? Could the churches continue to reach out to their people? Would the families still be cared for? And so our Orphan Grain Project is one of the ways that we're helping that to happen. There's a 10 acre, 20 acres of rice that's planted, uh, two crops a year plus vegetables, um, and we're almost... Uh, 
the first couple of years, we didn't have enough for a rice mill, um, so they would just sell it as seed. But this year, we're going to be able to get our own rice mill so that, that the shell on those, it's like wheat. You know, you have to take the shell off of it before you can eat it. Um, and then we'll be able to sell that um, for food for our communities. And that is uh, what is Teamwork Africa has been up to. Um, and now, you can go to the next slide, and I'll tell you what the Halverson family um, is up to. <laughs> I didn't know where to start. We haven't been here for a little while, so to make sure you guys knew all the stuff that's going on. So um, in three weeks, uh, September, <laughs> in 20 days, um, Mark and I and our kids are going to fly to Liberia, West Africa, and we're going to live in Liberia um, for the next nine months. So we'll be there from September until June, and then we'll be back for the summer. And, and we're, we're going to see if whether or not God is going to just continue to lead that, us to that to be our, our pattern and our habit for our life is to be in Liberia nine months a year and then to be back here in the summertime. You can go to the next slide. Uh, that's Mark in front of the house that we're going to live in. A lot of people want to know, you know, we're not living in a mud hut. So this is a, um, it's kind of like a ranch style house. It has three, be three bedrooms and two bathrooms. And we're going to do some remodeling to make it a little bit more comfortable. Go ahead. Um, Mark is going to be sharing the gospel and training pastors, um, you know, reaching the way he does here. Um, we want to set up training centers in the areas that we've done our water projects so that we can train the pastors who are going to be in those new churches. And so we have four districts selected. Um, we're going to have two guys in each district who are going to teach the guys who want to be the pastors. And Mark is going to be training those trainers. So those eight men will come and meet with Mark on a weekly basis and go over the material. And then they'll each go back. And every Saturday, they'll be training the pastors in their area um, just to give them a better you know, understanding of the scriptures and how to handle um, the doctrine well and stuff like that. So go ahead. Um, that's me with Joseph Flomo. Joseph is our Starfish Kids coordinator. Um, one of the things that um, kind of led to us going to Liberia is as, as Teamwork Africa has grown, our ability to communicate back and forth has been really challenging because it's very difficult for most Americans to be able to understand Liberian English over the phone. Um, and so I'm one of the people who does most of the communication, but as our staff is growing bigger, I can't do all of it. And so I'm going to be working with people like Joseph so that he can communicate with Kristen, who's our new Starfish Kids coordinator, directly. So Kristen has lots of exciting things that she wants to know about, so she'll send Joseph a list of like 20 questions. And Joseph opens that up, feels completely overwhelmed, and turns it off. <laughs> so... <laughs> So Kristen's not getting the answers to any of her questions because it's just too overwhelming for Joseph. So I'll be sitting with Joseph and helping him go, okay, let's look at that email from Kristen one by one. Here's what Kristen's trying to ask you. Here's how you can communicate that. Um, and then I'll do that the same with, we have a lot of counterparts, you know, so we have starfish kids on this side and starfish kids on, on our side. And so for each of those people, I'll be working with them on trying to how to understand Americans because... <laughs> um, I will also be working in the school. So um, this is one of the last year I had the opportunity three times to do teacher trainings. Um, the Eau Claire School District and several other area districts have sent curriculum to Liberia. Um, Liberia speaks English. Their education is done in English. So all those things are useful, um, but without exposure to how to use the teacher training manuals, the teachers don't know how to use them. And so that's part of what I'll also be doing. Go ahead. Um, that's the staff of our school, and I'm going through some of those teacher manuals. Go ahead. 
Uh, Evelyn had a chance to go to Liberia with me last year, and um, this is a picture of her helping to sort out our flip-flops for um, our starfish kids. And uh, we did a great program with them and just getting to know them. Go ahead. Uh, and this is also Evelyn doing um, fingernail polish. Uh, she, would <laughs> she would tell you a story of there's so many children that wanted their nails polished that she wasn't really looking at all of them as she was just doing their fingernails. And she would look up and realize she had just painted hot pink nail polish on a little boy's hand. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't have a slide about this yet, but Evelyn is very excited about starting a dance studio in Liberia called Phoenix Dance Company, Beauty Rising. And her vision is to allow children to express themselves through dance and learn more about Jesus. And I'm just uh, <laughs> so proud of her for using some of the difficult things that she's gone through in her life in the last couple of years and um, really believe that God had a purpose for that. And um, just naming that beauty rising just blesses me so much. Go ahead. Grace also went with me last year, and uh, she had a great time playing with her. Our, there's tons of kids around, so these are two of our kids that are there, and um, she's also looking forward to going back. And uh, the other two kids haven't had a chance to be there yet, so they're a little bit more apprehensive. A lot of times people ask me, how are the kids, you know, doing? And we just talk a lot about, um, you know, where you're at, and do you, you know, my biggest prayer for my kids is that they would know that God's not just calling Mark and I to go to Liberia, but that he has, is calling them too, that there's a reason for them to be there. And there's, there's people there that God has ordained for them to connect with and to be able to, to share with. And that being in Liberia is going to do something inside of them that will prepare them for the thing that God has next for them. Go ahead. Um, I'm sure if you have more questions, we'd love to talk to you and just love the chance to be here and kind of just get launched out as we're preparing to go in the next three weeks. Um, just covet your prayers. It's true. Thank you so much for your willingness to take an offering to help send us off. But um, we need your prayers. And we could have all the money in the world. And if we don't have God's guidance, we won't accomplish anything. And so we just need, you know, need you to, to remember us in prayer. There's a little prayer, or a little card out there. You can use it to send support for us. But I also just ask people, just could you just put us up on your refrigerator you know, next to your grandkids or your niece or nephew? And just when you go to get milk or eggs, just pray for us. I'm just going to add that I think people, the most common question, people will go, so are you excited? I'm like, well, let's see. I mean, am I excited to go to a country without 98% without electricity that, uh, you know, there's a lot of things, you know, the roads are amongst the worst in the world. It's highly corrupt. Am I excited about that? I mean, you know, not in that way, but, uh, you know, the bottom line is, I think is that, um, Wherever you are, whether you're in America or Liberia, what's your life about? And I, I want mine to be about knowing God. You know, I'm a big John 17, 3. Now, this is eternal life, that they may know you, the one true God and the one you've sent. And I think that um, there's a woman by the name of uh, Mama Maggie. She's the Mother Teresa of Egypt. And uh, she said that when you have nothing, God becomes everything. But here's the deal, is that when you have everything, God becomes nothing. And so do you have your stuff or does your stuff have you? And if we've been emptying our house out of things for quite a while now. And we, we sold it. We closed on August 26th. I mean, uh, I, I don't want us, as you do pray for us, it's not first and foremost about all the ministry things. Oswald Chambers memorably, memorably says that uh, the biggest mistress is, uh, spiritually is ministry. Ministry itself becomes a mystery. And all of a sudden you're like, wow, I'm all about doing for God, but what about God? 
And so first and foremost for us, I pray that we get to know God better there. And, and really, your ministry is only as effective to the degree you know God, because we got nothing, right? Jesus said in John 15, he's like, apart from me, you can do nothing. But he said, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, now we're talking. Now you can bear much fruit. So pray that the Halversons get much closer to God, and then out of that, he can do what he wants. So.